everybody. This is a podcast. Once again, it's about Jesus and stuff. It's pretty great, we think. <laughs> How's that for the podcast or Jesus? I'm, I'm definitely in the Jesus is pretty great camp. So, <laughs> Listen, podcast, they'll have to tell us. Let the reader know. understand. <laughs> now, welcome to another Spotted Goats podcast. I'm Nathan, here with my effervescent voluptuous co-host oh there you go effervescent there may have been a nickname at some point oh yeah that included the word bubbles oh do tell my mother would be proud oh gosh yeah, no we don't go there we're not you, going there you gotta pay for that oh that'll be behind <laughs> when a paywall comes that may be the first thing that we go for uh, no welcome well, we're glad you're all here this is a very uh special episode that we're going to be uh, going through a conversation that we're going to be uh, enjoying this evening. Uh, we're, we're planning on, and I know that what happens when you plan things, but our plan tonight is going to be a little different. And uh, we record this at night, so forgive me for dating this. But uh, our plan right now uh, is we're looking at perhaps, perhaps a two part conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, our uh, guests will be introduced in just a moment, but I do, before we, I got a little bit of housekeeping, some fun stuff, a little bit of housekeeping stuff. It's pretty fun. I feel like I need a whisper. So we're like a real podcast now, which is exciting. What? Yeah. Like the internet accepted us in a, at least in a broadly speaking way. Uh, so we actually, I wanted to let all of the listeners out there know we have a couple of new things that are, they're in their incipient mode right now. They're brand new. Um, first of all. We've got a website. When you have a website, it's like being Facebook official. Mm. You know, spottedgoatspodcast.com. Is that better than a blue check? Uh, well, you know, at this point, it's about the same cost. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spotted Goats. So, so a couple of housekeeping items really quick. So spottedgoatspodcast.com. Uh, that is a great place. I get the question a lot of, are you guys on Apple Podcasts? Are you guys mm-hmm. on Spotify, yep. Amazon? The answer is yes. We're on all of those things. And if you're listening to us, you figured that out already. But uh, if not, go to spottygoatspodcast.com. You're going to see all of our episodes there, the RSS feed, for those of you who want to share that, as well as links to a few uh, cool new features. First of all, uh, I'm starting a Medium page. Mm. In which uh, I'm I'm working on some things that uh, will be coming in the future. Yeah, I'm uh, have to explain medium because right now I'm thinking of the Oracle at Delphi. Well, I mean, if you want that, once again, paywall. Uh, <laughs> no, the uh, so medium is a really cool community of uh, writers. And uh, for those of you looking for just for those of you nerds out there, they're just looking for cool things to explore and to read. It's a lot of short form writing. Uh, from different authors and, and medium. We've just, I've decided to start that. There's not a whole lot on our section of that just yet, but I'm going to be doing a lot more there, as will Jeff, over time. Uh, but a lot of information that we're going to have fun with there. Also, um, podcasting ain't cheap, y'all. So uh, I, this is the part where I'm going to go ahead and ask that while you're at SpottyGoatsPodcast.com, make sure if you're so moved to uh, check out the Patreon link there. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, it's just five dollars that helps us to keep the lights on we want to be able uh our norwegian ninja audio technician william is here he's helping us uh, not sound like complete uh, complete buffoons uh, as much as he can and um so if you are if you are enjoying the show we would ask that you become a supporter now that's that's all there is to it it's to help us keep the lights on help us pay for the for the podcast we're not getting rich off this by any means uh but it is a a great way to be able to uh, help us, or I should say, a great way for you to be able to support the show mm-hmm. if you're enjoying the work that we're putting in. And also, this is free. Uh, for those of you on the Book of Faces, uh, feel free to uh, search out the Spotted Goats podcast community where uh, we're building that. We've talked about from the very beginning, right? Building mm-hmm. a community of conversation yep. with a culture of healing. Yep. Uh, it is an open group. Uh, while, yes, we are there as admins right now, we have no need to. Uh, moderate anything, and I have no plans to moderate anything because I don't believe in exercising power over other people's thoughts. Mm, so, I do. well, Jeff does, but so, you're a tyrant anyway. Yeah, you know. Now, the uh, the Facebook page I think is going to be vital in the future yes. for certain folks because um, you know we talked about at the beginning that we're trying to reach people of all generations, and Facebook, while started on a college campus, so to speak. Um, is now more of the older generation, and we want to make sure that those voices are heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of our themes, uh, we talk about things that are impacting uh, younger folks uh, on the 
on the uh, church scene, mm-hmm. but uh, so we do have you know the Instagram page, the Medium page. Yeah, we're on Instagram. Uh, Spotty there's, goes there's podcast. another one, right? Uh, are we doing Substack? I can't remember. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So there's all these new things that are going to come out, and we'll adopt them as we can and as we need to. Um, but we want to make sure that we don't forget that Facebook page. Correct. As, as some generations walk away from it, we're going to embrace it. Yeah. Uh, and keep it going. And what's really cool about that, um, we haven't had a huge amount of traffic on it yet, but yeah, all of this is brand thoughts. new. Yeah, we want to hear your thoughts. Um, one of the things that I love seeing, and I would love to throw out there to the listener, is um, when you pray and you write it out, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. And this is a forum where you might be able to share some of your prayers with folks. And so um, as you're thinking through those things, if you see fit, get out there on the page, you know, start a, a comment and just offer a little prayer. Share that. You don't know who that's going to reach. Um, that might actually be something somebody needs to hear right in that moment. Yeah. Uh, and that's part of that community, right? Yeah. So don't forget it's there. Uh, we do want to steer clear of the debates, though. Yeah. This it, Our Facebook, just so you know, this will not be... A place where you go on to have theological debates. That's not what we're there for. Or we're political there, debates. Uh, yeah, it goes without saying, hopefully, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that you did. Uh, this is going to be a community where we share our thoughts, we share our questions. There are no, there are no taboos. Let's throw yep. it out there. And as long as everything is in a respectful and welcoming, uh, open manner, then we're totally yep. good with it. I hope to God that I will never, ever have to remove anything said in there and my my filter is very very weak Mm. so so that's that's the uh, that's the plan so on facebook just go into your search bar and look up spotted goats podcast community all right what else have you got housekeeping wise i believe that's it uh this is going to be an incredible show tonight uh it is Three smart people and Nathan in a room. So this is this is going to be great. Jeff, why don't you go ahead? No, 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 no. We're missing something here. Well, I mean, we I wasn't our, good in gym class we, either. We need our, our dad joke. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah. This is, but no, no. I want to hear yours. You want to hear mine? I want to huh? hear your dad joke. Oh, God. People are com- coming up to me saying, what's Nathan's dad joke next well, week? You know, it takes, it takes a lot of skill to be this funny. <laughs> I mean, it really, really does. So, I mean, there's so many ways you could go about it. I mean, one time I was playing chess with my friend and he said, let's make this interesting. So we stopped playing chess. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I will tell you one, one of three that came up in, uh, in my world because now my 11 year old is out there looking around. And so, uh, <laughs> Because somehow he's figured out how to listen to podcasts. We still don't know how to put our underwear away, but we have figured out Apple Podcasts. Are his shirts on straight? Uh, I don't know. They don't match. Okay. I know that's, that. That's they don't match good. anything else he wears. That's good. That's good. So uh, my child comes up to me and says, hey, Dad, how does Moses make coffee? And of course, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what, yeah, how? Uh, yeah. He brews. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. There's our dad jokes. The bad humor's out of the way. And that gets us to our show, and we're only like 30 minutes in. I feel like we're so. a PSA. Like That should be like, <laughs> the more you know at the end. All right. So um, as you guys know, um, Nathan and I come at this church thing a little differently, uh, yet we are very much on the uh, outside of the white goats there. Uh, hence the commonality and the the, the camaraderie there. We are yeah. the, not the also-rans, but we're kind of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, we're proud others. Yeah. I just want to call out Bama and the fact that, you know, we talk about the firstborns a lot, but then there's an awful lot of folks that did some pretty amazing things that were not firstborns. And yeah, like they, all the patriarchs. Uh, how, what? <laughs> and they show up in the lineage of Christ. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that means everybody has value and nothing is wasted. Right. Um, and one of the things that I come at this uh, this conversation every week with is more of a care and concern for mental health. Mm-hmm. And uh, those of you, I don't know what I have said and what I haven't said. We've recorded several of these that have still in the can, some that are out there, but uh, mental health is something that has been a big piece for me, and Nathan and I talk about that quite frequently. And um, as you may or may not know, I am actually in a counseling program on a master's level, 
And in that, uh, obviously, there's a lot of coursework. Uh, and I am now to the point where I'm actually seeing clients. And a big piece of seeing clients comes with where that all starts. Mm-hmm. And we are lucky enough tonight to have the lady who helped me decide this is where I wanted to head and, and spend some money and get an education and maybe help some people here and there. Uh, and that's Jennifer Parecki. Uh, she's joining us tonight. Yes, sir. Uh, for a very deep conversation. Um, and the conversation is going to go really in two parts because we know some folks are going to want uh, just kind of a maybe a summary, a little bit higher level. Um, but one of the, the listener feedbacks uh, or pieces of listener feedback, right. uh, to be grammatically correct, uh, that we're getting is to have a deeper conversation on certain topics. And so as I was thinking through um, my history and my past um, and how I got to where I am and what part Jennifer has played in this, um, and we are actually working together now uh, on this journey. Um, we decided, or I decided, hey, why don't we reach out? And so Nathan and I said, yeah, let's do it. And Jennifer said yes. And yeah. so the conversation tonight, like I said, it's a deep one. And we're going to try to um, keep it real, give it the seriousness it deserves, um, but also keep it flowing like we typically do. You know, we've had some pretty serious conversations with Amy. Sure. Um, with Nicole. With Nicole. Uh, I mean, we're talking about untangling our faith, right? About what happens when this thing that we've been told about has some cognitive dissonance and we don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to try to keep that going and have a conversation about narcissism. And that is a big word. And why your boyfriend days. is a narcissist. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yep, I had to. I couldn't yeah, help it. There we go. <laughs> so um, Jennifer has had some experience with this, uh, not only professionally, but in other ways as well. And so um, tonight, I wanted to bring her in. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And um, with that, uh, I just going to ask the question. Um, at a very surface level, normal guy walking down the street. What is narcissism? And is it the same as this other thing I've heard about, narcissistic personality disorder? So what what can you tell us about that? And then we'll get into some other conversations here. Okay, so I, I kind of was uh, trying to consider how I could enter into the humor part, um, <laughs> given the topic that you <laughs> invited me to speak on tonight. Childhood but, abuse, what's your joke? You know, the whole idea of the spotted goats, it's just perfect from the standpoint of what was Jacob doing? Mm. He was trying to... Uh, hatch his escape plan from his narcissistic uncle boss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So um, just to kind of enter in on the scriptural level, which I think is really significant for, well, it was important for me having had scripture uh, weaponized within a family culture uh, growing up to kind of retrieve uh, these stories uh, within those pages as kind of a reflection of my own journey uh, as Jesus also traveled with me uh, outside of, I typically say, outside the gate of the church, and I can kind of explain why I landed there, and it pertains to our topic tonight, okay? okay? And I don't mean to take you off of the first question that you just <laughs> threw my way, uh, because I think... We um, rarely make points. Okay. So you're well, good. You we're do just here. We're already better than most everything we've ever said. So you go right ahead. The, um, the way I typically work for better, or for worse at 23 years in the therapy space is I don't like to waste people's time at all. Mm. And, uh, I like to get down to like the distilled essence, the root as quickly as possible. And in this kind of space, I think if I were, um, you know, Uh, marrying the therapist hat with the friendly banter hat, I would say, well, what is narcissism? I would say it's something you want to stay away from. Sure. Um, Just to the man on the street. And then I might say, uh, I I could go into, you know, a a clinical description from several different angles. Um, But for the most part, I would say it's very consuming to be 
in relationship to actual narcissism. Um, your energy, your life energy is basically a feeding trough for that personality style. It is very depleting. It is usury of the highest order. And it is very, very intractable in my experience. Um, and my experience is I've, can I, I'll just mm-hmm. keep going here yeah, potentially. Go for it, yeah. um, because I was thinking, how do I get to the root of this issue uh, swiftly? Um, but productively and gonna, do, and I'm going to say, forgive me for interrupting, but I yes. am going to say also, I norm, I know that we normally, for those of you that like this, we normally keep the shows at a certain time mm. length. Yep. Those restrictions are off okay. for this. So let's okay, have this sure. conversation. Okay. Let's do it. Thanks, Dave. Okay, well, if you need to like wrap me up and we need to pivot, you just let me know. <laughs> oh, we'll just point to the Norwegian okay. guy on the yes, end. Yes, all right, excellent. He'll, he'll yes, I'm it. counting on William He's to help me out here. So, um, okay, the root, um, the root of of the issue for me is that I personally was incubated in a setting uh, where there where narcissism was present, both in my fi- family dynamic. And uh, it wed perfectly or joined perfectly with what I might call the construct of the church as my father became a minister. So you had it from two angles, right? Yes. You had it at home. Yes. And then when you left the home and went to the church, you had it there too. My entire upbringing was basically steeped in both at all times. Mm, And as we've talked already, just glanced into sibling uh, order, birth order. Mm. I was the eldest. I was the eldest daughter. And um, I guess I could veer slightly off and say my father was a Vietnam War veteran. Uh, He served two tours, military intelligence, and likely saw the most god-awful things and had to Mm. and participated in them Mm -hmm. um and didn't know much about that until he passed away approximately 20 years ago um and um i think the ministry was his way of making sense of his life Uh, i would say genuinely our entire family had what we might call in church circles a conversion experience. Um, And I I remember that very, very clearly. Uh, But what I also remember um, is feeling um, the void in my parents' relationship and how both the church and their children and how their children performed within the construct of the church uh, was to serve as mortar of a kind to um, to a marriage that um, that struggled uh, behind the scenes, and uh, yet as I say that, I, I almost want to back myself out of it and say, <laughs> um, coming to terms and to peace with this, and being able to view my parents' experience with honor and dignity is something that has taken a lot of my own personal work, okay? Um, so I'm not here to lay blame at them or um, or the church writ large, okay? I want to say those things because I think, you know, even when clients come to me to talk to me about these things, we feel conflicted. If we start drawing up these items, does it somehow compromise, um, you know, the loyalty bond we share within our family, our family tribe? And, and those things are complex and complicated and I have had to work my own process. I did come to the vocation of therapist as a client. So um, I'm very familiar with kind of unpacking um, loads of baggage and then also maintaining clarity on how those themes travel with me over time. All right. So where can I go from there? So <laughs> just to say that the I, I lived and grew up in a stew that was um, a fused, blended mess of the rhythm of the church schedule, being in a ministry family, um, having parents that uh, um, were um, doing their best but struggling on a personality level with some of the narcissistic pull that comes from being in ministry as a power structure. And all of that, of course, was projected onto my experience of my own spirituality and my beliefs and my faith and God and Jesus. And this was 
this mess, and then I think Nathan has a question yeah. too. This mess was driven by narcissism in a way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's what when we as we continue to detangle and untangle. Uh-huh. I know you all like that word; it's a great word. And I would say these are distortions that indeed become so uh, interconnected. Like, could I have said to you discreetly that, yes, narcissism was the root problem in Mm -hmm. my family system? Absolutely not. Why is that? Because it hides. It can Mm. be stealthy. It's very cunning. It's deceptive. And so it was very hard to discern. So a characteristic of that narcissism is not that it's always in your face, look at me, I'm pretty, Mm -hmm. but that there is a covertness to it is what I'm hearing. Yes. And Nathan, you looked like you had a question there. Well, I've actually, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes. Because once again, when you've got smart people around you, uh, that's when I like to get it by osmosis. Question for you, though. Um, and this is maybe for a little later, but I want us okay. to bookmark this. Yep. The idea that you said, uh, Jennifer, of the church was the mortar. We know what mortar does. It holds things together. Mm-hmm. I want, if you could give like a brief explanation of that for now, and then later on I want us to unpack yeah. that a little more, maybe, if it's appropriate. But I yeah. find that I love that imagery. Could you talk a little bit about what that means? Two things that come to mind. Uh, I just think that, first of all, it the, the church as a platform for someone who might be pulled towards acquiring traits, and we can get into the weeds about the continuum of narcissism, because it is true that certain vocations uh, almost require the participant to acquire these traits. But what separates acquired narcissism from, let's say, malignant narcissism is that it's often that those that have those acquired traits have enough of a self that they can differentiate between the two. So, uh, you know, for instance, an entertainer or a celebrity, they might realize that their stage persona is their stage persona. And uh, to retain health within the pressure and the challenges of fame, um, they would likely need to be able to continue to differentiate between their stage persona and their true self. Okay. Now, I would say those that trend towards uh, malignant narcissism cannot differentiate between the two. So, to come back to your question, um, I think that uh, the church as a platform um, and and what it provides in terms of schedule and rhythm and also um, you don't need to look too deeply into the literature to understand that if a minister um, has, um, you know, a, a tendency toward this um, kind of a false self, if you will, that being God's messenger to a congregation is a pretty heady uh, experience for someone who kind of needs needs that sense of being propped up or grandiosity as a cover really for a very hollowed out self. So I think that um, the rhythm and the, the structure and um, the content, all of those things um, provided um, as I say, the mortar, the glue by which we could feel like we were connecting both mm. to each other, right. to the community, to God. But it, it, in truth, at least in my own personal experience at that time in my life, uh, was more about the dysfunction in the family and the role that I was meant to play. And of course, I didn't know that until I was older. Nathan, I know you've uh, <laughs> referred to yourself as a professional Christian. Retired. Retired. Um, <laughs> sitting on the bench waiting to go in. Uh, just um, Brett Favre dreaming about the league. <laughs> question for you. Um, obviously, Jennifer is the child of a minister. Yeah. And at one point you were a right. minister. Mm-hmm. And one who is neither the child of a minister or neither has been a minister. Um, bless you. The, yeah, the question I have is... As you hear that, um, in my layman's ears over here, I, what I heard was claiming to be a minister of God, claiming to bring the message may lend itself to the individual doing that to acquire 
oh, narcissistic it's, it's traits. intoxicating. And that with that, as the church moves and breathes and lives, that that can feed that. And that where we are a body trying to do good things and to follow Jesus, that the nature of that can sometimes lead to narcissism. And what has been your experience as you hear that, if I recounted that right, I had never considered mm-hmm. that. Um, what is your experience from your past with, with that? Like, have you seen that? Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and as you're describing your, your past there, I see two different cycles. Okay. I, I see two. Um, no, number one, on the institutional side. The institutional cycle is we need someone to be our pastor. Trained, professional Christian walks in. Please give us all the answers to all the things that we need to do to be a big kid church. So mm. then that pastor then provides all the answers. Thank you so much. We need more answers. So as it's thank you so much, it feeds into the narcissism, potentially, if someone doesn't keep it in check or has people to help keep you know mm-hmm. that person in check. And then as they execute more, there's a cycle of power versus a cycle of dependence. That dependence feeds the need for power, which feeds the need for dependence, which feeds the need for power. That's on the institutional side. I'm also going to bookmark this one for later. There's also, though, if we look at the real design for the church, there is a body, a cycle on the body of how does being... If that church is the mortar that holds her family together... What kind of effect does that have on the believer in the pew? Ooh, so, okay. so we're gonna t- we'll talk about that later. Uh, I know it's too, uh, you know, I, there's I don't so want to. Ma- I want to do now. There's now. so much Let's to go. unpack. There's so much to unpack <laughs> there. But to me, uh, yeah, to answer your direct question, absolutely. Because there I was when I was in my 20s, and I walk into a church and... I, I use this example pretty often because it was traumatic, if I'm being honest, and I didn't okay. know enough at the time to call it trauma. But when the single mother who just lost her baby, her infant child, has me preside over the funeral of a of a casket the size of a lunchbox, and then she's asking me, now what do I do? So for me, mm. it broke me. It, you know, it broke mm-hmm. a part of me. Uh, because luckily, even with the toxicity that I had in my background, I did have enough good influence that was there for me to still have that heart. But there is that temptation, and I and I navigated it poorly. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, I, I had no idea. I'm you know, I'm twenty something years old. What do I know about this? Um, but at the same time, if you have the wrong base or the wrong motivations. And you give a pat answer even to that person that helps bomb that wound just for a moment. Look at me. Look how good I am at this. We're going to grow this church into something that starts with mega. So, so yeah, absolutely the, the temptation is there. It's like when Satan's tempting Christ says, stand up on this hill and look out and everything will be yours. And that's what we're looking at. That's what, that's what the pastoral mind has in front of them every single day. So what I'm hearing is is that, uh, and I love I love the way you draw that in with with Jesus there. You know, everything will be yours. Um, it seems as if the humble servant would say, "Oh, I I play a part here. I have a role. Mm-hmm. I serve." Where the narcissist might look at at that and go. <laughs> It already is. And here's the thing. A lot of, and and correct me, please, if I'm wrong. This is my experience. I am not licensed to diagnose anything. (laughs) Okay. Um, But in my experience, some people that end up being raging narcissists that have a trail of burning forests behind them, they don't start out with that motivation of, I'm going to be destructive. Would that be the acquired piece and not the malignant piece? Yeah, I think that's a that's a tricky. Does it kind of catch up with someone um, unawares in a way? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure I can even answer that uh, succinctly because I think there is some mystery to it. Um, yeah. Honestly, it's not. It's so, in my experience, not um, boilerplate, and yet the trend lines are um, often really clear. Yeah. Um, so. 
I, but I, what I appreciate is drawing in the Jesus part from the standpoint of just thinking about of several thoughts. I want to try to kind of be, um, I don't know, just this is a hard one for me to be succinct about. So I'm just going to keep going. Go I guess. for it. So, um, we'll stop you. That, uh, <laughs> you know, our origin story, if we want to, in, in our uh, faith-based culture, to trace it all the way back to Genesis, so, you know, what was Jesus doing for us in that, in that setting of temptation in the wilderness? He was reconciling the first temptation in the garden and um, as I view scripture as much as a healing text in a human anthology, um, where I'm, I'm constantly perusing it for more information about um, the longstanding nature of some of our human attributes, it is at just about as old as the dirt that we came from that we are easily deceived. Mm-hmm. And so where we discuss ad nauseum um, the narcissist because of um, the malignant behavior we are not often it, it, it is so compelling it, it draws us so far away from ourselves which is just um, incredibly damaging that to return to a bit of a center and start to do some reflection on why am I so easily deceived by this why am I so pulled into this vortex of um, winsomeness or attractiveness or seduction, which these are the traits that, again, are are fairly commonplace. So just to kind of give everybody, I, I have a mentor's message coming to mind as I'm saying <laughs> this. It's not, it's not when, it's not if, but when you will get duped by a narcissist, okay? And so that is as old as dirt. So what I heard you just say was that a narcissist was at play in the garden. The original one. The mm-hmm. original The original narcissist. malignant narcissist. The first time I heard that, I, know better I than was you. like, oh, wow. Well, are you saying oh. that scripture is all connected what? and it's one story? Oh, Ludacris. It's, so it's just there to make women be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, uh, Jennifer, if you know that <laughs> reference. We're dealing with um, some churches in our past yeah. where you would not be allowed to mm-hmm. do anything but clean this mic things. when we are done. So, um, so I mean, just to let that sink in, that right there in the garden, mm-hmm. we were susceptible to the original narcissist. And it's been cyclical ever since. It, it, it And it is feeding itself. And that's the piece that, and correct me, student, teacher here, um, as the student, the things I've been hearing recently with several uh, different lectures and, and text is that um, narcissism is all-consuming. Yeah. Um, and if you look at that original story, when you first put that in front of me, <clears throat> I thought, okay, well, let me ponder on this a bit. I mean, narcissism in the garden, and what is it doing? It's consuming God's creation. And so that leads to my next question, because, you know, we're going to, like I said, we're going to try to do this in two parts. We can go much deeper, but what do I do when I'm standing there in the garden? Because I walk into church trying to get back to the garden, and I truly try to give everyone around me the benefit of the doubt that they're there for the same reasons. I do not walk into this place judging um, and when I say this place, I mean this a collection of Christians wherever you are, be it someone's living room for a meal or it's in a public building on a Sunday. What do I do to better guard my heart than those in the garden did that first time? What, mm-hmm. what can I do to take this on? Because I truly feel we are call, called to get back to the garden. And if, you know, your first answer, narcissism is to be avoided that's what we do. We need this is not anything we need to be right next to. How can I protect me as a child of God from that? Can I ask a question first? Uh oh. On that one? Go for it. How do we recognize it first? Oh. Okay, so you that those two questions actually go together for me, and I'm glad like at about this juncture we can insert this part because it feels feels really (laughs) critical. Because for anybody listening, I think what I would want to I love the phrase that you all mentioned earlier too, culture of healing, and um, what in my view as we kind of re 
retell the story, um, my sense is that shame entered the inner landscape, okay, okay, of the person, right? They cover up, they hide from God, they feel ashamed. And in my um, estimation, shame is deposited in the very sensitive membrane of the soul that is God, Jesus' spirit's house in our being, okay? Mm. And so, um, and he, what does it say about Jesus? He despised the shame. Why? Because it takes up room in the inner house, the innermost house of ourselves. It gives it to that darkness, if you will. And I think he has a full understanding of how that cripples us and is is our literal bondage that our connection with him is meant to free us from. However, my, my concluding thought on that is that personal healing is often uh, not examined within um, the culture of Christendom to uh, clear one's inner pathway to have a deeper connection with Jesus within. We will move towards spiritual practices, religious activities, church gatherings, service, and many times we're doing those things to bypass our personal healing. It's literally putting a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. Mm. Yeah, so in my view, the antidote to narcissism is is reclaiming that space within, with God, with Jesus, with the Spirit. But in doing so, um, I'm sorry to say this, but you have to face your own personal pain. Ooh. Okay. And I well, think... Well, uh, Jeff, will you say pain? That's... Pain. That's how he does it. That's how he does it. <laughs> pain is the pathway. And I, I would, I guess... If you know, just to finish this thought out in my in my experience, and I think as I start off talking about my family's story, because as the therapist, that's not always where I start, and yet God draws folk unto me continually within the practice where I'm referencing this inner material. What I would say is that if I don't identify the themes of my wounds and my pains. I, I would contend and am contending in my next book that I hope to share soon that these are the very items that God will use over and over and over and over again to transform your life. I think Paul would have called this sanctification, to mm-hmm. be honest, and I think it's quite mysterious. What is sanctification? Can we do another podcast on that? <laughs> but I would contend that it has an ample dose of healing first, because we cannot move towards wholeness without healing. So the antidote to narcissists and narcissism is your own personal work within. And with that comes such clarity and interconnection and reliance upon God in a sustaining, constant way. You will pause. You will reflect. If you get sucked into something that feels like toxicity of old, um, you will get to it more quickly. Why? Because of your continual connection with God within because you've cleared space for him to inhabit you fully. Okay, now I think I'm done. <laughs> well. well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to really boil that down for me Holy at cow. least because there's a lot there. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're just... Tip of the iceberg. I wish, you, I wish you all could see the look on Jeff's face right now. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> If this cup of coffee was hot, we'd go for hours. Oh, dude, mine um, started cold. I'm glad we're here. <laughs> so, Jennifer, what I'm hearing is, is that we can recognize when narcissism is at play when we notice things like shame. Um, the use of shame. The use of shame okay. and feeling shame. Uh, much like Adam and Eve in the garden. Being shamed by another, really. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because in a way, I think that that crafty serpent was basically saying, you are not enough unless you take this piece of fruit to become like, okay? You are not enough unless you stay in relationship with me. There's a sense of, he's exploiting that frailty. You need me to bring you to him. Mm. Or you are not enough, or this is not enough, to have um, the communion that is sustaining without. And by the way, 
it has a lot to do with um, knowledge, correct? The tree of knowledge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of good and evil. So it 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 really takes um, you into a whole nother space in terms of following your own thoughts. I've brought some scripture on that from Isaiah about how God, how does God um, consider his people when they follow their own thinking. And so the idea that in the garden, we were kind of set up, not kind of, it's not, it's not, it's, we were set up to follow our thinking as if we know better than God, that we need more than we already have. We are not enough. I'm seeing, and sorry, Nathan, if I've got go, look, go, go, go. I'm what good. I'm seeing government major here for my undergrad is that this leads into societal consumerism. I'll be happy when I will feel loved when I will be a success when, when the reality is in the garden, naked with our God was enough. And the interesting thing about those standards that I will be happy when I will be uh, fulfilled when X, Y, Z, those are all standards that are handed to us by some other entity Hmm. that is claiming to know better than we do. Yes. So... In a it's way. an external. Yeah, it's an external use of force. Internal. It's an external use of force, and 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 it is force mm. because it makes me do things. Yep. You know, there there was a time in in my life when I was completely wrapped up in consumerism, completely mm-hmm. wrapped up in it. And we all know people that are, and, and those standards are being forced upon us by a power outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on your worldview, you could say Satan himself. And, and so there is, once again, we are not that far from the garden. That's just something that, that we have to chase. The interesting thing that I, and we'll talk about this uh, probably in our next episode, is one of the things I noticed, Jennifer, in the text, when... Well, you got to say it. In the text. I don't, you haven't yeah. heard that yet. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things that I noticed is that in the the garden story, the garden narrative, the the story is all around the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but the tree of life was always there. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great point. And, and it, it it was always there, and its role never changed. Its role wasn't really discussed. There was an assumption that life was always there. So what we'll talk about here in a little bit is upon recovery that life is always available. It's not the end of the story. It's how we move past those failures. Excellent point. Because I think if I were to just like PS everything that I've just shared, I would say only that what was disrupted was our beloved status as children of God. And um, the healing process and the ongoing nature of that uh, and and trying to yield to that over a lifetime, which is the only way I can continue uh, delivering care in the therapy office is to kind of keep my own work, my own self, my own journey under a microscope. Uh, I would say that um, the healing journey ongoing is what uh, allowed my soul really on a soul level to remember the truth of that beloved status through uh, the constant connection that is always available to us but feels so far from us when that inner landscape is occluded with that shame and the unfinished business and the wounds we don't want to face and the pain um but i think um it's just critical for people to um allow themselves to to recognize the power of their own personal healing and how freeing it really will be to understand your true parentage Okay, and and I think as I lay out a bit of my story for you, I would want to only continue to say that I don't hold my parents uh, in a state of resentment. And by the way, while uh, there was a lot of narcissism in the home that didn't just reside with the minister and the family, so the culture of narcissism can be laid to rest when um, the alignment of truth within is that I am this beloved daughter, therefore I can turn towards my parents um, with compassion, love, and 
Um, this isn't necessarily always the case, but also understand that I can be spiritually connected to anybody through prayer, um, but I might not have to be in close relationship to them. I can be reconciled to them, but I might not need to be in their personal space a whole heck of a lot of the time. And I think that is the discernment we're talking about, and the nuances of that are innumerable given the clients we're seeing, Mm -hmm. right, Jeff? So there's like a lot of universals, and there's so much uniqueness in terms of what does each person need to do and so on and so that's on. awesome yeah and this may be a good place for us to, to end this episode i have one more question oh and then we go. will then okay. we will a very practical one a practical question because in our um in our society now where anybody with an instagram account is a therapist hmm. um <laughs> One thing I've noticed is this term gets thrown around a lot. I'm a practical guy, okay? So you all, your education is powerful. Like, this this is an amazing conversation. For me, you know, I want to know how long to cook the grits. So, so <laughs> just a minute more. Just That's a minute. That's the answer. Listen, if, it's, if, it, if you can't eat it with a fork, I don't want it. So <laughs> here's the thing. We hear the word narcissism thrown around mm-hmm. left and right. And to the point, you know, I joked about it earlier and why your boyfriend is a narcissist. That's a joke, but you hear it all the time. And anybody that anybody, everybody on planet Earth has been called a narcissist, it seems, at one point or another. And and from a, and God, I know this could go forever in a day too, but from a professional standpoint, from a clinical standpoint, from a therapeutic standpoint, how often do we truly see it? Ooh. And... And what is, if you could pick one or two, absolute line in the sand, this is narcissism, this is not. So we can go out on this, and then we're, what we're mm. going to talk about in the, final, in the final conversation about this, because you better believe we're not done, <laughs> is the, how it affects those around it from a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. and also how we heal. Uh, I want to talk more about that in the last episode. Okay. But... How prevalent is it? How real is it? I, mean, I know it's real. That's a bad way to put it. But how, how prevalent is it and how prolific is it? What are the numbers you're seeing, Jennifer? Because I know what I read, and I don't know if it's a legit number. Start with that. Was one in ten. One in ten. Are true narcissists. With a personality disorder. With the disorder. Mm-hmm. That's not, oh, I think I'm beautiful, and so should you think I'm beautiful. But the, I am here you are to serve me, you are here for, like I think you mentioned it, uh, other words you mentioned it, but you are here to feed me Mm -hmm. and you are to be done nothing with but consumed. Yes. Um, And so when I think of it, yet again, student here. Sure. Much, much tenured individual. Idiot here. (laughs) Hardly. You asked the question is, and, and when I have had several folks with me, um, share their stories about their contact with narcissism, there seems to always be a consuming force. Um, but those are just things I'm seeing here at the very start. So one in 10, is that high? Is that low? Um, and what, when you, what to Nathan's point, when I see, someone with a consuming behavior of another individual they see no value in that other individual other than what they can do for them yeah that to me goes who red flag mm-hmm. we've really got to take a look here and they exert that influence yes um what do you see past that um so i feel like the work of therapy over time just requires as much of an anthropological existential view as anything else so i am contemplating the times in which we live all uh, so so much of the time and considering that we are living in something that i might say is an age of deception okay we could say an age of narcissism okay um it's very prolific in terms of a culture pattern and we can do a deep dive as to why that is and We're going to have you on for like 12 episodes. <laughs> Nathan, to your point, and I'm really glad you brought it up, however, is that um, uh, does it manifest in the, in, to the degree um, in saying that it's a culture pattern, 
here's the ultimate twist of the deception. The true narcissists can hide out far more easily if it is the culture pattern. So it makes it even harder to see, even if we're talking about narcissism, like it's just kind of a throwaway word now. Mm-hmm. Then the actual narcissists do not get found out. It's like camouflage. Exactly. Yeah. And um, my French word of the day. So <laughs> I feel that there are some really amazing resources out there if people want um, some. I, I thought about how I how I work with narcissism in the therapy spaces. I'm usually working with the people who are trying to extricate themselves and needing to kind of restore themselves enough so they can get some space from the narcissist. And there are always so many complications and challenges with that. Uh, because you're right, there's a dependency um, part of the cycle. And so there is usually a dependent in relationship to the narcissist. And there are often children involved in that. And um, the complications and the collateral damage are, it, it's it's very sorrowful, actually, to imagine. And so um, I to weather that sorrow... <laughs> Uh, I really tried to hold the line on representing what health, healing, wholeness, and true spiritual connection is so that people know what the light looks like, (laughs) right? So they can come towards the light because the darkness um, without the light is all that there is. So, and I'm not, I am not the light. The process is the conduit of some light. And, um, I want to be receptive to and clear to be that conduit, but I have a list of resources that I'm happy to include with any of your podcast notes that I've, and we might talk about them more specifically in the next episode. Make sure to send those to me because I'll put them them in the show notes. I've got three amazing YouTube um, channels that I always recommend to my clients because similarly, if a client comes to me and says they want to extricate themselves, uh, is this really true? And if I do go down a litany of of symptoms and um, concerns that I have, and if my radar is going off, I pe- it can really overwhelm people very quickly. And so, um, I usually have them do their own research as a therapy assignment, and I've brought what I usually send people uh, to investigate to get their bearings and something that's very hard to. Um, um, understand when you are not wired this way. Yeah. And that's, that's really challenging too. It's also, I, I don't, especially having lived the history I've lived, it's, I don't want to live in a space where I'm constantly analyzing when there are so many people who have done that to such an exceptional degree. So I'm happy to share that bottom line. Yeah, We'll definitely include those in the show notes. Yeah. So in a nutshell though, I think it's safe to say that if somebody displays some selfish behavior, that does not make them a narcissist. No. But our society sure makes it easy to hide out. Yeah. Gosh, yes. there's so much to unpack here. There and is. Jennifer, hey, you want to hang around for one more? Thank you for having me. I feel like I have an incomplete, I have more to say, <laughs> so I hope everyone can travel with us to the yeah, next absolutely. episode. Let's do this again, shall we? William, cue the bump music. This is dramatic. Dramatic. We'll be back. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.